This is Darrell Alia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 72. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobster, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place mr hollywood himself presents the before the millions podcast and now your host deray olalaye Man, I'm excited for this episode. And, you know, partly because the guy that we're interviewing, he's, he's a captain, by the way. And the reason I call him a captain is because he is truly location independent. And I'm not going to give away exactly what I mean by that here in the intro. I'm going to let him explain that. But uh, we're talking to Mr. or Captain Jim Palmer. Now, Jim is a serial entrepreneur. He's a marketing expert. He's an in-demand small business coach. And for about 30 years of his life, him and his wife were living, you know, the practical, predictable, modest lifestyle. And they were living that lifestyle in Philadelphia and they raised four children. And in 2016, Jim and his wife decided that they were going to trade this, this practical, this predictable, this everyday onslaught of just normalcy. And they were going to trade that in for an adventurous and an exciting time, full time. So they sold their home and they became nomadic. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now, Jim lives a dream lifestyle. I mean, he's the founder of Dream Business Academy. And we talk about so much on this episode, guys. There's so much good value in here. You know, we, we, we go from talking about high income earners and what really, truly makes and separates a high income earner from the rest of us. And we talk about, you know, lifestyle design in itself, who can achieve it and how you're going to be able to achieve it in just a, a short time period with a kind of mindset that we're going to show you how to cultivate on this episode. We're going to talk about the power of a mastermind. Some of you may not know what a mastermind is, but we're going to talk about the power of one of those. And what's crazy is, man, I had the most influential masterminding experience this past weekend because I mean, I'm in, I'm in Franklin, Tennessee, guys. And I am here for the Free the Dream conference. And I am surrounded with so many other like-minded entrepreneurs and multiple six-figure business owners and even million-dollar business owners. And, you know, so many, so many great guests are speaking. Some of my favorite podcasters are present. Some of my favorite coaches are present. Some people that I, I didn't even think I was going to be able to meet at this conference. I mean, it's been spectacular. And I think about the amount of knowledge that I've been able to soak up over the past couple of days being here in Tennessee and the, the, the networking that has, that has took, taken place. And I think about how that's going to affect my business life, my personal life, my self growth, my contribution. And I'm just like this, I'm so happy I came here. So happy. So when I say I've had one of the best masterminding experiences I've had in a while, don't take that lightly. Now the definition of a mastermind We'll get into on the show. 
and how you can maybe even start your own mastermind and become a part of a mastermind that you've been interested in. You know, I even have a mastermind that I'm starting up here soon. And again, it's something that I'll talk about in more episodes to come, but I mentioned it a little bit on the show as well. So we're also going to talk about the power of coaching and how that can literally take you from having scratch on paper to the next level and bypassing so many roadblocks, so many failures, so many experiences that you may or may not need to have. So it's a fun field episode, guys. I can't wait to get into it, but you guys know that we're going to first first get to the tip of the week. And this tip of the week this week is really powerful. So let's get to that first and then we'll get in the show with Jim. Alrighty, guys. DeRay's tip of the week. Don't ignore that need for variety in your life. You know, Tony Robbins has this, this thing called the six basic human needs. And these human needs are essential to every single one of our lives. And one of those is consistency, which definitely makes sense. The need to know and trust in consistency. And on the opposite end of that spectrum, one of those is variety and certainty. We yearn for that at the same time. I'm in Franklin right now. And for me to get to Franklin, I have to fly in through Nashville. So from Nashville, it's about a 30-minute drive to get to Franklin. And on the way to Franklin, I passed through a little town, or maybe not a little town. I mean, that's all relative. I passed through the city of Brentwood. I've mentioned this on the earlier episode, but I was in Brentwood about two months ago, two or three months ago. And I discovered a place that I believe to have my favorite tacos. I mean, guys, when I went there uh, in June, (laughs) man, my mouth was like... uh, having tastes and feelings and joy that it's never experienced before. Like I was like, this is, these are the best tacos in the world. I mean, they're hands down. And I couldn't wait to get back. I couldn't wait to experience that experience again, to have my mouth water the same exact way, to bite into those tacos and to to have that sweet goodness. So through Nashville, I decided to stop in Brentwood before I got to Franklin, Tennessee. I decided to stop in Brentwood and pick up my infamous favorite tacos, even though I only had those one time. They were my favorite tacos. And I must say the experience the second time around was lackluster. I mean, it's not often that I'm in Tennessee. It's not often that I get to go to my favorite taco spot. So why would I not want to experience eating my favorite tacos. So of course I'm going to go there. Of course I'm going to eat my favorite tacos. And of course I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be happy and I'm going to bite into that taco. And for some reason it it wasn't as good. I mean, it was good, but I didn't, I didn't get that same feeling of joy and excitement and, you know, just, man, this is awesome. This is the best taco in the world. I didn't get that second time around. And I often find that's the case with a lot of things. A lot of things not named Chick-fil-A, of course. You can call it shiny object syndrome. You can call it need for variety, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. You can even just liken it to the fact that I, it wasn't a new experience. It was something I had already done before. So it wasn't going to be as good. Regardless of what you chalk it up to, though, the end result is the same. I mean, the next day, I heard about another taco spot that people were raving about in Franklin. And because I was in Franklin for a conference, I said, I had to try this taco spot before I leave. Even though I already had tacos while I've been out here and I wanted to switch it up and get a little bit more of a variety, which I did a few other nights, but I wanted to try this other taco spot. And I went there and the experience was very similar to the experience I experienced when I went to that first original taco spot that got me lit up. And I was like, hmm, there we go. This is nice. I have a new recommendation for anybody who comes to Franklin. And 
you know, that's just a small mini example of things I go through all the time when I'm in a new city, when I'm in a new restaurant, when I visit, you know, a new place, when I, when I get introduced to a new person and I'm, you know, talking to somebody for the first time, when I'm interviewing somebody that I haven't spoken to before, every single time it's a new experience. It's invigorating. You don't know the outcome. You don't know the end. You know, you don't know what lies in the unknown. Whereas when you do something you've already done before, you know exactly the type of result that you're going to get. And whether or not it's a good result, it's predictable. And as much as we yearn for that predictability, we also yearn for that variety. Many of you are entrepreneurs are looking to become entrepreneurs. And you're going to experience so much more variety than you've, than you've ever experienced in your life. But if you never make that decision, if you stay in your comfort zone, if you stay with what's predictable, with that certainty, with that clock in, clock out mentality, with that 40-year, 50-year mentality of doing the same thing, you're, you're depriving yourself of a human need. And according to Tony Robbins, this is one of the six needs that, you, that, are, that are vital to your health and success. See if the life that you're living out is actually meeting every single one of those needs. More specifically, though, for this tip of the week, your need for variety. The only time, you can write this down, the only time that you will not need a need for variety is when it comes to Chick-fil-A. You can eat Chick-fil-A all day, every day, two, three times a week. I do that per day sometimes. I don't tell anyone, but that's the only time. Other than that, I want you guys to fill that basic need. I mean, that basic need comes in different forms for everybody. For me, that's travel. That's travel and food. I love the variety of travel. I love the uncertainty of a new country. For you, it may be languages. I mean, you never know. For me, I mean, I, I love the idea of learning a new, a new language. I've loved that idea for a while now. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things to where I, I know for sure without a shadow of a doubt that I'm going to pick up a third language. I have to. It's that, it's that need for variety for me. It's that need for connection. Anyways, guys, this has been a long tip of the week, but I hope that makes sense. So now let's get to the meat and potatoes of this episode. Let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. We often talk about lifestyle design on the show. I've brought on so many fascinating lifestyle design entrepreneurs on the show, but I think this one is a little bit in left field. <laughs> Today, we have on the show Mr. Jim, or not Mr., I'm sorry, Captain Jim Palmer. Captain Jim, how are you? How are you doing today? I am just fantastic. You know, when I saw the title of your show, I was so excited to be on because I think, you know, the vast majority of people are before the millions, you know, it's as you say the top 1%, so to speak. So I'm I'm really happy to uh share something hopefully to help people kind of move in up into that uh into that bracket. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's exactly what we're going to cover on this show. But first, Jim, and even before we take it back into the time machine, I want the listeners to know, like, and understand why I just called you Captain. Jim, what makes your lifestyle so fascinating? Why, why do you have maybe what, what the typical person would call a dream lifestyle? Well, it all started about four years ago when I scratched a lifelong itch and I bought a 30-foot boat, fell in love with a boating lifestyle. It was about four or five years ago when I started, stopped working my 78 hours, which I've done since 2001, and I moved to a three-day 
work schedule so I could be on my boat for three or four days every at the end of every weekend during the summer. And then when my wife left her job, because like you, I'm where I am location independent. As long as I got Wi-Fi or a cell signal, I can do my job. So she, when she left her job, we decided to sell our home of 30 years. We bought a 50 foot boat. We live on the boat. I work on the boat. I have a nice desk and um, we travel up and down the East coast of the United States. So driving a 50 foot boat and and out in the ocean makes me a captain. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So you actually live on a boat, Jim. That is, that's crazy. I mean, it's one of those things where for you, this may be normal now, or it may never get normal, but for, for the average typical person, I mean, that's just, that's just crazy. So I can't wait to kind of dive into that and learn more about why and how you were able to do that. We're recording via video. So I was able to kind of see that you are actually on the boat right now. So maybe where on God's green earth are you located right now? We are in uh, Chesapeake, City, Maryland, which is if you if you look at a map and you see the Chesapeake Bay, which starts down Virginia and goes all the way up, you know, like a big finger. We're at the very tippy top, up by the C and D Canal, which connects the Delaware Bay and the Chesapeake Bay, and where it is actually our home port. So this is where we keep the boat. Well, we don't keep it anywhere, but this is our home port. <laughs> We're spending the summer here, and then in uh, late October, early November, we'll start moving south to spend this winter in Florida, down the intercoastal waterway. I love it. I love it. What are some of the most memorable trips that you've taken on the boat so far? Well, the most memorable are the ones that scared the heck out of us. It's where Stephanie and I say, it's, it's a miracle we haven't sunk yet because we, you know, we really didn't know, we didn't know a whole lot about what we we're doing. I'm only being semi-serious. We knew enough to do it, but it's amazing the learning curve in the last year. Like when we set out to go to Florida last year, we got into some pretty rough waters and I, I always thought, well, a 50 foot boat, I mean, it's got thousand horsepower. We'll be fine in anything. Well, man, when, the, when, when mother nature kicks up the seas, yeah, I felt like a, a cork in a washing machine. That was a little nervous. And then the first night when we went on what's called the intercoastal waterway, it's a, it's basically a connection of lakes, rivers, waterways. You can literally go from Maine to, to the Gulf of Mexico which is pretty cool without being in the ocean if you want. And we're pulling in for the night. We're going to drop anchor in this big cove. And all of our electronics said we're in five feet. We keep moving closer to shore because we have a 90-pound rescue lab. That's up, So we have to get him to shore. And we're in like five feet, five feet, boom. All of a sudden, we ran hard aground. <laughs> It was, it was a little scary. We didn't know how we were going to get off. And it was like not eight o'clock at night. It was dark. And I mean, we've, we've been through a lot. We, we actually blog about our experience. Our, our boat is called Floating Home and our blog is called OurFloatingHome.com. And if anybody's curious what it looks like or some, Stephanie writes all the blogs and shares some good stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But it's, it's a huge adventure, which I think is really at the basis of why I created this business and why, you know, why your listeners are, are, are interested in you know passive income and, and growing their revenue streams because I I found out at 41 I, I had uh, cancer and, and I suddenly realized how short life could be now thankfully I'm healthy today but for almost a month pr- prior to my surgery I didn't know if I was going to be alive in five years and so we we feel I think we just don't want to sit around and, and wait for the perfect time to do anything we're much more in the proactive mode we're, we're, we're decided to go on this big adventure and, and we're just enjoying life 
I love it. I love it. I love it so much, Jim. Now let's 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 give the listeners what they want. Let's take it back to the time machine. Let's find out how Captain Jim Palmer came into Inception. Let's 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 talk about your younger days, your earlier formative days before you were an entrepreneur, before you were a business owner, what you were doing back then, and maybe the discontentment that you felt, or maybe the the shift in beliefs that you had, or maybe the income that you wanted to make. Oh, there's a horn. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Let's talk about some of the things that you were maybe pondering back when you were an employee and what maybe started to uh, started to shift your mind to become more entrepreneurial? Well, I was always entrepreneurial. I always worked for entrepreneurs. And when I was, I started working when I was 15. My parents didn't have enough. I said, I want to buy a car. We'll go get a job was their answer. And so I, I got a job. And so I'd, I'd always worked. I always knew eventually I would someday own my own business. But I got married at 21 I had my first kid at 23. I had four kids by the time I was 27, and that put a severe crimp in our <laughs> our lifestyle. And I mean that in a positive way, but all of a sudden, you know, it's it, there's not a lot of extra money when you have four kids <laughs> and you're in your 20s. And then life took over, and I just really started becoming a, a very good worker bee, so to speak. I worked at a lot of different jobs. I, I helped grow a national franchise from 14 stores to 80 stores. I helped start a, a, an association in the music business. We had half uh, $500 million in combined sale. I mean, I had a lot of success. And then at 40, when I was 41, I was VP of marketing for a training company. And every once in a while, I would think about, you know, starting a business. But then I thought, well, at that point, I had four teenagers at home and had the mortgage and two cars and all the stuff that goes with it. So that's just not a good time. So it was always not a good time to pull the trigger. You know what I mean? And then at I lost my job at 41. And I really thought, well, should I start a business now? Now, again, four teenagers, I, I didn't, you know, I assume my kids would want to go to college. So this wasn't a good time to go through the typical lean years that, that an, an entrepreneur would usually go through. And so I, I thought about getting a job. I looked really, really hard, but it almost a year and a half of unemployment just devastated us financially. We're like 50, 60,000 in debt. Uh, and then I had cancer. So I had cancer while I was unemployed for a year. So it was a really stressful time in my life. And then I did get a job offer. Actually, right. It was the day before I had surgery. <laughs> and um, and I was recovering on uh, on my couch at home from surgery on September 11th when, when in 2001 when that horrific attack took place. And the job I was offered was with a music company that wanted to franchise. They wanted to use my experience and they wanted to franchise their business. But when September 11th happened, that job offer went away. I mean, I'm sure you can remember how scary it was back then. And we didn't know what was going to happen. And it was at that, I was the lowest point in my life, to be honest with you. I just, I didn't know what, where to go, what to turn. I, I literally got on my knees and I prayed for guidance. And instead of just saying some half-hearted prayer about a please, I need a job. I said, what do you want me to do? And I was told to become an entrepreneur. And literally less than 30 days later, I started my first business, which I grew to multiple six figures. And then I got into internet marketing in 2007. I grew five different internet businesses. In 2009, I started coaching. And that's, that's kind of the thumbnail of what brought me up to this point. Yeah, for sure. And so, Jim, what would you consider is your primary area of expertise? Well, I'm I'm known as the dream business coach because I help people create a dream business, which a dream business I think is one that provides financial freedom, which ushers in time freedom, the ability to live life on your terms. Now, so how do you do that? Well, I'm I'm very good at branding and marketing, but in re and that's for the most part, that's a big reason people hire me. But as soon as they hire me, I gotta go to work on mindset. Because being the best at what you do 
is not enough, right? And and you you know you and I had some conversations earlier, and it's just the the mind determines everything. You can be the best at what you do. You can have the roadmap and the blueprint. You can have everything laid out before you. But if you're quivering and not able to make a decision, if you're not able to invest, if you're not able to you know work with a mentor or whatever that looks like, you will. You may achieve some success, I'm sure, but you're not going to achieve all the success that you can. So it's really a large part of what I do with my coaching clients is mindset. I know I don't put myself out as a mindset coach because a lot of people, I don't need that, right? But when you start working with somebody and I'm saying like, you should have a podcast. I mean, you know what a podcast is, right? Well, they've been around for a long time. Yeah. I'm going to start one probably fourth quarter. I said, how about next week? I mean, why would you wait until fourth quarter? So I'm all about math massive action. I'm pushing people outside their comfort zone and, and helping them achieve results, you know, far beyond what they think they, what they think they're capable of achieving. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And when you first got started, Jim, and we talk about, we talk about your inception, we talk about maybe your before the million story and your timeline. I mean, you didn't start out with all the experience that you have now and you weren't able to foster, you weren't able to leverage the experience that you have now to teach others. So what space were you in? Was it video marketing? Like what space were you in initially and how did that transition into business coaching? Well, I don't want anybody to think I'm a, like a super sharp dude because my first year in business was revenue free, <laughs> which means it took me a year to get my first client. Now in that, in that space, I went and got a part-time job at Target. <laughs> I worked a 4 a.m. shift so, and I got out at nine o'clock and then I ran my business and went to networking and spent a little time with my kids, got back in bed, get up and worked the 4 a.m. shift. So I did that for a year. So it's kind of a, a little known fact that I, I share with a few people, but I, I knew I was going to be successful and I just wasn't going to give up. But w when I got to about the 2009 timeframe, I had already created multiple businesses. I felt pretty good about myself, but it's like the more you achieve, the more you want. That's the first lesson is, and, and somebody that I was working with, a, a personal friend who's now a, mind, a mindset coach who became a personal friend said, Jim, you've already achieved most of what you wanted to. I said, yeah, but I want more. He says, well, that's not healthy. I mean, it's okay to want more, but you ought to start enjoying some of the things and, and realizing some of the personal goals that you wanted to do when you arrived at this space, if that makes sense. So I started, and that's when I bought my first boat. I mean, I said, man, if I get to this point, I'll be able to have a boat. She goes, well, you were there like two years ago. What are you waiting for? Right. And so we sometimes as entrepreneurs keep the pedal down. And I want to tell you a quick story, if I might, it, I call it my most embarrassing moment, but it was very, very instrumental in 2011, two years after I started my coaching program, I wasn't growing as fast as I want. And I, I decided to join a, a high level mastermind, which had very, had several successful coach. One, one guy that I just looked up to tremendously had a multi-million dollar coaching business. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but I felt like I was like the least successful most stupid person in the room. I'm sure other people have that feeling. That's called head trash. But I felt like, wow, what am I doing here? And and so on a break, that person, that mentor pulled me aside, said, Jim, I understand you want to have a successful coaching business. I got a question for you. I said, sure. He goes, uh, I'm aware of what you're doing to achieve the same level of success that that I have and other people have in this room. But I'm also aware of what you're not doing. And I, the question I have is, why do you think you're entitled to achieve the same level of success and achieve the same high income, but you're not willing to do the things that other people have done? How does that work? And I'm quite sure I turned beat red like a fire truck. And um, 
but it was really that it was a pivotal moment for me where I felt like I had somebody put a, a mirror to my face. And I, I remember flying home that moved, that was in California other than Pennsylvania at the time. And I remember flying home, but never again, am I going to be called out on being the wuss that I am. And that's when I learned how to become a speaker. And I started writing books and I started doing video marketing and I started doing all the things that people were doing. And then, you know, a few years later, podcasting, all the things that people wish they didn't have to do because it really puts them out there, so to speak. So that was the turning point for me. And that's why, that's why I talk about mentorship and, and working with a coach is so important. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, you know, you talk about kind of the inception of the Fourier into the coaching business. And, you know, I know that, you know, even even working at Target, like that was something that was maybe unexpected. And I'm sure you've had many moments like that throughout your journey, throughout your career. So how has maybe failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? It's made me a better coach today, I'll tell you that. And it also makes it possible. I remember telling my kids when they'd see me go off the target, and I think they had respect for I don't know if they felt sorry for me or what, but they had respect for me. I'm a, I'm a father. I got to put food on the table. I was bringing home $300 a week, and I used to be a six-figure executive. So, But I was doing what I needed to do. And I think that, by the way, I think that was very, very important. I'm not going to sit around just looking at the paper and looking at monster.com back then. I don't even know if it's still around, but that was a lot of what I was doing. And I fa- I got to go bring in money while I, even while I'm now officially the president of my f- company, my first company is called Dynamic Communication. I'm, I'm the president founder, but I'm working at Target stock and died on the shelves. Right. And um, so I knew what I was doing was required because I was a dad. And uh, so I needed to do that. But at everything that I teach today, when I tell my clients that they need to step up, they need to invest. Well, I'm in debt. Well, I know, you know, I was probably $70,000 in debt when I ponied up 7,500 to exhibit at this national conference to show off my second business called No Hassle Newsletters. And I had to create a booth. I paid five grand just for the booth space, fly out there. You know, the hotels, they usually hold these events. They're not $99. They're like $250 a night. And so it was a $7,500 deal. And I was already massively in debt, but I ponied up and I stepped up. And I didn't bring home $7,500. I brought home about five grand, but all the people I met and I nurtured and I, I took care of those leads, I did turn it into you know, a nice windfall, but it didn't happen right away. So all of the things that I've been through means that my clients can't hide from me. And when I tell people they need to step up or invest or they need to play a bigger game, I'm not a speaker, Jim. Well, neither was I, but look, look what it's done for my business. And I think it's given me the ability to be a little bit tougher because I've been through it. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And I can relate so much to a lot of what you're saying, even through my journey. And it's crazy because, I mean, you you literally you put it out on the line and you're you're not promised. You know, when you're when you're an employee, you're promised a return. You're promised that check every two weeks. You know, without a shot of a doubt, like if you do what you need to do, if you're still employed, you're going to get that. You know, you're going to get that check at the end of the month. You're going to get that check every two weeks. And it's just clockwork where you're an entrepreneur. I mean, you have no idea if you're going to get paid in the next month, in the next three months. Like you had no idea if that $7,500, uh, you know, dish out was an investment or was an expense. And it was one of those things where you had to operate off of faith. And that's it. Yeah. I think that's something that, you know, I want to kind of highlight because many entrepreneurs, they kind of, they, they kind of, they kind of fall short there. You know, they kind of, they kind of have limiting beliefs around what's possible. And I noticed that the ones who are truly successful, 
are the ones who get on, on, on get on that plane. They literally jump. I mean, they when you talk about skydiving, they literally jump. They let go of all of their beliefs. They let go of all of the things that have been holding them back, and they literally allow themselves to free fall. And when 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 you're able to do that, you know, a lot of people they're not they're not getting off. They're going to have Plan B, C, and D in place to make sure that you know yeah. they're okay. But when you jump, I mean, not only is it exhilarating. But you put yourself in a position to 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 succeed. I feel like the the you know when it comes to failure, the more you fail, the worse you fail. It's almost like a rubber band. The the more impact it, it is going to be for your bounce back, for your future, for your success. And I feel like when you when you think about success, and you think about how 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 joyous success feels, and how how much it can it can affect your just your emotional state. I believe that the only reason success can feel so sweet. The only reason that success can feel just like the best thing on earth is because you've had a failure that feels just as equally as bad, just as equally as bitter. And you can, you can contrast that feeling to what the opposite of that feels like. But if you never go through that failure, success is, I mean, you think about people that are born with a silver spoon in their hand, they, success means something totally different to them than somebody who, who's gone through major failure and had to come back on the other side. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. And, you know, when I was in the association business and it was school instrument retail stores and I, you know, I remember our first meeting, we had about 50 different store owners there. I could tell you without a shadow of a doubt who started and grew a business and who was a second generation who inherited it from dad. <laughs> I could tell, I knew who those people were. You know, the thing about plan B you mentioned is, um, it reminds me of the, the whole Cortez thing when he, he said, burn the boats. There's no alternative except to, 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 to living is winning. And that was that. One of the things I think when people think about, and I'm sure some of your listeners who are, you know, thinking about getting involved in real estate and other things, I think one of the difference makers is a lot of people play not to lose. They don't play to win. And the difference there seems like a small thing, but playing not to lose means, well, if I could just bunt and get on first base, I'll be okay with that. Then the next guy gets up, says, I'm going to swing for a home run. I might swing out, but the next time I will hit the home run. And he just goes, or he or she just goes, goes and goes and, and swings for the fences. And I think that's a lot about people expect fast returns. I, I sometimes call that, you know, um, ROI madness. Well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, how quickly can I get my money back? Or if I'm going to invest in this home, how quickly can I get my money back? Or how quickly, you know, first of all, it's, it's always going to take longer than you think, but it's always going to be more, I believe it has, will be more rewarding if you don't, rush. It's like, well, the cake says, you know, bake in the oven for three at 350 degrees for 24 minutes. Well, maybe if I turn up to 400, I can get it done in 20 minutes. Well, it's not going to taste right. You know, it's just going to take what it takes to do that. And so anyway, I've covered a whole bunch of stuff there. No, no, no that, that, that's, that's amazing, Jim. And it makes me think about the fact that we all have goals. We all set out to achieve our goals. And it's one of those things to where I think you just said it perfectly. It's one of those things to where when you have a goal, and you're trying to rush to that goal as opposed to living in the moment, as opposed to enjoying the journey. Rushing to that goal as as victorious as it may be, as, as you know, aspiring as you know, you may want it to look. It's one of those things to where when you rush to that goal, it's like as humans, we're naturally wired to set ourselves up for the next goal and then the next goal. And we're constantly, I mean, you know, there, there, there's a quote, if you're if you're constantly living in the future, you're constantly living to achieve that next goal. You're never satisfied with what's going on currently. You're literally never actually living because there's always, there's always, there's always another feat. There's always another milestone. Whereas, like you said, if you take your time, 
if you enjoy the moment, if you enjoy the entrepreneurial journey, the roller coaster, the ups and downs, the ebbs, the ebb and flows, it's like, that's what really matters. The journey, I mean, because again, once you get to that goal, you're already off to the next goal. So why not enjoy the journey? Because you spend most of the time at the journey anyways. And the goal literally lasts for a split second and you're like, okay, what's the next milestone? So I totally, totally love that, Jim. Now, you know, you also talk about investment ROI. What's one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made? And this can be an investment of money. This can be an investment of time or energy. Uh, it's going to be both. I mean, when I was 2008, I joined my first mastermind. It was a time when I was putting a lot of uh, money and effort into getting started in the internet. And I was, I was, I paid like $2,000 for this course. I mean, I was just, I was putting out money and, and, um, this, I remember this mastermind, I believe it was about $400 a month. And, you know, I think you can look, if I looked at my checkbook, it said, nah, you shouldn't do this. And then I looked at my heart book and I said, yeah, you should do this, you know? Yeah. And, um, right. and what I, here's how I rationalized it. I said, look, I know my work ethic. I know my, my desire to create more success. I know for a fact, I want to be able to help my kids go to college. I probably can't write a check for the whole thing, but if I could help them, that's my desire. I know two girls were going to, I know they'd want to get married and I don't know if yeah, that's something, if anybody in the audience, anybody has daughters start saving now, even if they were just born yesterday, because it'll shock you. Um, and I had, I had twin girls and they both got married within 12 months of each other. So that was quite a setback, but I f forgot where I was going, man. I got sidetracked, but you know, <laughs> it's like the investment I made was because of my work ethic, my desire, my drive, my ambition, all of that said, if I join a mastermind, and I go to a meeting and I hear some ideas from some other people and I implement them in my business, which is really what a mastermind's about. I will become more successful faster. That's what I rationalized. I said, okay, I'm going to pony up the 400 bucks a month. Within three months, I had like tripled that. I was bringing in probably $1,200 more in monthly revenue through my membership program. So I more than covered the $400 a month. Yet, when I made the decision to join it, Cash flow said no. I mean, it was basically get out a credit card and put it on the credit card. So again, I had to pony up. So I think that was really the turning point for me. That was the big launch pad. From that group, I was in multiple mastermind groups and I started investing and working with, you know, mentors and coaches and stuff. And, and you know, everybody hears how important that is. I'm going to tell you what, what I think the single biggest turning point is for a lot of entrepreneurs because it was for me. When you care more about achieving your goal than you do wanting to do it on your own, then you're going to be ready to, to find and hire a mentor. A lot of people who are entrepreneurs, they suffer from a strong ego. And I think an ego is essential. If you don't have a strong ego, I don't know how you're going to make it because it's a tough world. But, but a strong ego, if, if it's so strong, it says, look, at, I'm the founder and president of this business. I'm the chief muckety muck. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to do it my way. I'm sure there's people that have done that. But if you look at like literally every successful person you've ever read an autobiography on, they've always talked about mentors and being in mastermind groups. And so finally, when my girls were, uh, you know, about two years, this, uh, you know, on the other, the, the other side of college, because they're grown now, I, I said, man, I'm not going to have the money. And that people will do things. I think it's interesting that for other people more than they'll do it for themselves. So when I was learning about, you know, everybody said, become a speaker, become a, go out and speak and you'll be great. And I said, I don't want to do that. I really feared public speaking so, and some other things. And as the owner of my own business in control of my own destiny, I was able to make that decision and nobody 
was going to tell me otherwise, right? Because I was the, I'm the top of the food chain. I'm not going to get called down the hall into the boss's office. I was the boss, right? But then I think when my inaction affects other people, that was hard for me to stomach. So I said, you know what? It may be okay with me if I'm slow, slow walking the growth of my business, but if my doing so is going to put a hardship on my girls who, who are both applying for colleges, that's not okay with me. I mean, I did everything. I mean, I went to, I went to Dale Carnegie course. I, I did hypnosis. I did positive affirmations. I did self-hypnosis. I mean, I, I did everything under the sun that I knew. And I did it all at one time because I didn't want to try one thing and see if it worked. Uh, literally for a year. And I turned into, a, I could get in front of a, a 400 people right now and give one hell of a speech. But man, I didn't want to stand in front of three people, you know, 10 years ago. So that was enough motivation for me to do something that I didn't want to do because it was going to affect some people that I, I loved and cared about. For sure. For sure. And Jim, you talk about the power of a mastermind and, you know, in my, in my coaching business and on the before the millions platform, we uh, actually have a waiting list right now. I've had a waiting list all year for my mastermind program, which uh, I plan to launch by the end of the year. I haven't talked about it at all on the podcast. I haven't really mentioned it at all in public and I've just been working super hard at it um, while simultaneously working on my primary product. Let's maybe talk about really quick what a mastermind is and why you think masterminds are so effective. It's a group of people who come together singularly with the mission of helping each other grow. I mean, obviously everybody goes into the group hoping they're going to get ideas, but the powerful thing is, I know some, some uh, masterminds do what they call hot seats. I, I call mine profit seats. So when somebody does a profit seat and I basically um, take 20 minutes or half an hour and I'll, I'll kind of do a deep dive in their business, even though I'm doing it with one person, everybody in the group is benefiting from watching what I'm doing and hearing what I'm saying. They go, oh, that could work in my business. And you do that like five or six or 10 times, depending on how many people in the group, people walk away with enormous value. The other thing is, you know, part of, part of my, my mastermind is I have a, a private Facebook group and everybody's in there. It's a safe environment, not only to get either consoled if things aren't going right, but to get your attaboys because a lot of my clients are, are married or have significant others. And, and if that significant other is a, you know, a W2 employee who maybe, you come, so you come home and that person had a crappy day and you had a big win, it's hard to say, oh my God, I'm doing great. You know? So even, even, in a, your, your, even in the comfort of your home, it's not always convenient or right to be bragging, but the, the, the safe place is with the power of your group. And I really encourage that. In fact, when I'm talking to a client, they tell me something good, I will post it in the group. Hey, my hat's off to so-and-so just scored a big deal, blah, blah, blah. And it's, so it's a place to get, it's a place for creative ideas. It's also a place for accountability. As a, being a member of groups in the past, I know if I told somebody a month or, or 90 days ago that I was going to do X and then I said, oh God, the mastermind's tomorrow and I didn't do X. I'll, it's kind of like you're cramming for a final or something. I will do X that night because I'm not going to that group and not, and not have it done. So accountability is also a big part of that. Why have masterminds been so effective for you in particular, Jim? Because I don't know everything, it, whether my ego says, man, you're a sharp cookie. I, I clearly don't know everything. I mean, the very first mastermind, the one I told you about, the $400 group, somebody said, I knew he was an entrepreneur and he's, he's, he's talking about, you know, I got somebody that scans my email and I got somebody that does this and somebody does that. And I said, well, who does that? And he goes, I have a VA. I said, what's a VA? He goes, the virtual assistant. That was my first introduction to virtual assistants many, many, many moons ago. And I have 13 virtual assistants that work with me and, and help 
run my internet companies now. And I mean, just that one thing alone introduced that whole concept of virtual assistance and the leverage it gives you and things like that. There were people when I, um, I had the company called No Hassle Newsletters and somebody says, well, that's really a content program that you're providing. Yeah, you're, you're doing newsletter templates, et cetera. But this was back in uh, 2009, I think. And he said, you're really into social media, Jim. Like I see you on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. And he says, you ought to put together some sort of a content program and just specifically aim it for social media for people who don't have the time to write a blog post and stuff. And I launched a company six days later called No Hassle Social Media. I mean, that idea was sitting there in front of me, but I never saw it. Somebody across the table pointed out essentially what I have is a content program for, for newsletters. Why don't you just do something similar and, and call it for social media? And that made me a lot of money. We want to get into maybe what separates high income earners from those who maybe just get by. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure we can find ways to attribute this to masterminding, to attribute this to coaching, to attribute this to guts and tenacity, to attribute this to a step-by-step -step game plan. But when you think about the high income, the high income earners that you know, and the high income earners that you surround yourself with, and the high income earners that you teach, what separates them from everybody else? High, well, there's a few things. High income earners have just an up, they have a mindset of uber confidence for one thing. I've never seen anybody be a high achiever who just kind of quivers in the corner. They just know in their heart, mind, and soul and every fiber of their being that they are here to do what it is they're doing. Nobody is going to get in their way. Nothing's going to stop them. So it's this confidence that just radiates through their, their entire day um, is one thing. I think high income earners are hopelessly impatient, which means... Again, don't start a podcast six months from now. Start one six days from now. You know, massive action. High income earners are always investing in themselves. We touched on that with masterminds. I have never, ever met somebody who's a high achiever who is not in one or two or three mastermind groups or hasn't worked with some, uh, some coaches in, in other areas. They have a strong daily discipline. For me, I mean, I've done, I've, almost 18 years in business for myself. And it doesn't matter if it's Wednesday or Saturday, if it's a technically a vacation day or, or whatever, I still rise about six o'clock. I used to rise at five. I, I can't wake up at five on the boat anymore because the general rocking keeps me asleep. <laughs> but I literally wake up at 6am before I get out of bed. I do a quick little you know, one to two minute ritual. I give thanks for the, for the day because every day is a gift, especially once you've had cancer, you realize that. I, I think about the things I'm grateful for and I don't care how much you got going on in your life. At my worst moment when I was heavily in debt, I didn't know if I'm going to be alive in five years. I was out of a job. I had no job prospects. I thank God for my family, my friends, my support. My parents were still around or are still around. I mean, there's things that you can be grateful for. A grateful, having a grateful heart is one of the most important things. I'll give you two more. They know the value of their time. High income earners know the value of their time. There's no brain picking. There's no going out to lunch. I, I just don't do that. And it sounds kind of hard, but I know what my time is worth. And I schedule my life on my calendar. I work Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday with my clients. And, and every call is either is scheduled. If and I just meet one call after the other. And then that's it. So there's no, hey, would love to take you out for coffee. I just don't do that. And it's not that I don't give back. I mean, I, I run a Facebook group. I do free training. I do things like that. But I know the value of my time. And the other part of knowing the value of your time, this is my second point, is high income earners are not afraid to let go and delegate. 
so many people think, well, I can do it cheaper, faster, and better than anyone, so why would I pay anybody when I can do it myself and keep all the money myself? Well, the fact of the matter is we all have the same 24 hours in a day, and you can only do so much. The rule of thumb for me is if I know what my time's worth, and if I can hire somebody, whether it's at 15 an hour, 25 an hour, my highest person is $80 an hour, at anywhere in between, I can pay somebody to do that and I don't have to do it. That means I can focus on high revenue generating activities, which are two things. It's working with my clients or marketing my coaching business. Those are the things that I do. I no longer write the newsletters, design the newsletters. I don't put together my e-zine. I've got enough content where I have a team that does that, so it's still my work, my word. But, you know, if you don't, I have an expression in one of my books, it's called delegate or stay small forever. So there's a few things about high income earners. <laughs> Man, that, that, was a, that was a gold mine full of information, Jim. And it's crazy because, you know, I, I think about my journey. I'm just like, like everything Jim's saying is spot on. Sometimes I ask on the show, what have you been able to become better at saying no to? So distractions, imitations, et cetera. And you touched on the fact that you don't go out for coffee. You don't do some of these things that maybe uh, people would like you to do. And, it, you know, I've always been one of those people to where I, I love to say yes. I love to help people get to their goal. And it's one of those things to where the more and more my business grows, the more I expand my team, the more I delegate, you know, I'm realizing that I'm able to focus on the exact same two things that you focus on, which is marketing my business, marketing my coaching platform, and making sure that my clients are getting to their goal. But when it comes to saying no, instead of asking you, what are you becoming better at saying no to? How are you, you know, how are you going about that process? You know, somebody asked you for coffee, somebody asked you to meet up, and you know that your time is super valuable, that you can spend this time with your clients, spend this time marketing your business, so on and so forth. How are you kind of uh, setting that up to where it's still you're still providing value to the person at the other end, but that you're not completely giving them your time? Well, first of all, you have to control your environment. Now, I mean, a few people know where we are physically. I guess they could walk down the dock and say, hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to invite them on and, you know, necessarily. And listen, I want to give you a better answer, but there's a difference between a cold, being a cold, heartless bastard, if you don't mind me saying that, and being somebody who understands what they do for a living. I've got a friend of mine who just went through cancer and he's going through divorce and I told him I'm going to help him start a business. That'll, that'll be the fastest way you can get back in your feet. He goes, well, all right, what's it going to cost me? I said, nothing. When you get back in your feet, if your business is rocking and rolling and bringing in money and you want to continue this on a professional basis, we'll talk. But for now, I'm going to help you get back on your feet. So, I mean, I don't say that to brag. I'm telling you there's two sides to every coin. When I launch a new book, for example, I usually do a free plus shipping offer. So if you want to buy my latest book called Just Say Yes, you can get it absolutely free. I just ask you to pay $6.95. I'll ship it anywhere in the world. I even ship it to other countries, which usually costs an average 25 bucks, but it's free. Now, some people say, well, Jim, I'm, I'm really tight right now. Can you just, can you cover the shipping too? As much as I, my heart breaks a little bit, if somebody truly is in that situation where seven bucks is going to make them or break them, if you don't learn to pony up when you're down that low, you're not going to pony up when you build yourself up. And honestly, if, if $7, just as an example, is really hard, then I don't start a business. And, you know, I mean, there's so many challenges you're going to face as an entrepreneur. A mindset of lack has got the last thing you need, right? It's like, oh, man, all I got to do is not have coffee for two days and I can get Jim's book. That's a better mindset than can you cover the six ninety five. You know what I mean? So how do I say no? Well, I control my environment. 
and nobody except maybe my, my, my personal assistant, obviously my kids and family, but nobody in the business world has my cell phone other than my webmaster and a couple of people who need to get me. But nobody has that. So when I'm doing my coaching, we're either doing it via Skype we call into my conference line so they don't see my phone number that way. If somebody just dials Skype and it rings, I don't answer it. If Oh, that, that's not scheduled. I just hang up. I don't answer it. So I make it tough. And when people want to, if initial prospects want to get to me, they have to fill out an application. I got to see if it's a good fit. So if they fill out the application, I think I can help them. I will have my assistant send a link to a special link on my calendar where they can schedule a 30 minute call and everything's prearranged. So, you know, in a way I've kind of built up fortify the defenses a little bit because it is hard if people are, you know, when I hear people, Oh God, I can't tell you how many, how many phone number, how, how many times my phone rang and it was just somebody selling insurance. I'm, my first thing is stop answering your phone. Who, who in the world just answers their phone? Hey, I'm an in, I'm a very in demand business coach. Hey, it's Jim. Can I help you? Who picks up their phone? Yeah. If you're in demand lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite before the millions book? It was a book by Dan Kennedy. It was called No BS Wealth Attraction. Uh, Dan Kennedy, if you don't know, is um, founder of the original company called Glazer Kennedy. And he's just my, my greatest mentor to this day. He, that was the book where I learned to have a better relationship with money, that money's not some taboo subject. It was the book that also taught me that you need to brand yourself. And back in the day, I branded myself as the newsletter guru. Today, I'm the dream business coach. So that was a very, very impactful book. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. <laughs> uh, it's this embarrassing because sometimes my kids are like, hey, what, what do you got in your iPhone? I have my calendar, <laughs> Google Gmail calendar, and I, have boat, and I have boating apps. I have weather, waves. I know everything about the weather and the water. You know, it's, it, I, have a very, I have a very simple life. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, very scheduled from, from literally 9 o'clock to 6 o'clock, three days a week. Other than that, my time is my own. So my lifestyle app is literally my calendar because I can pretty much controls at least three days a week. And I know it's not um, real sexy, but that's, that's it. <laughs> no, I can relate. I, I can definitely relate to that. So I love it. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? It's exactly as I want it to be. We, and we thought we'd like it, but when Stephanie and I agreed to an 18 month plan, we figured after 18 months, we'd go back and live somewhere and six months in we smile at each other no way we're this is three to five years minimum we wake up every day we see the sun come up we see the sun go down we live in the water it's it's usually quiet around the marinas where we're at we don't get in the car every day and deal with traffic I mean if we literally um, tomorrow I think we're just gonna take the boat out and go somewhere in the Chesapeake and drop anchor I mean I have a generator that runs I mean it's literally our home it's not yeah. camping it's not camping on water by any stretch and and to be out there on Friday the, the, the waterways get busy in the weekend but we'll be out there Friday and there'll be nobody else out there and we'll just sit and look at the water we'll think we'll take a nap I mean we literally have created a lifestyle based on a lot of hard work where we can live life in our terms and it, it it's wonderful small caveat question what's the furthest trip you've taken the furthest trip i've taken the boat. oh in the boat okay yeah. um <laughs> well we we've covered over two thousand miles uh, not a, not in one day the i mean the biggest day trip was about a hundred miles which is a lot but we've been over two thousand miles we've been up to new england and back we've down to florida and back so 
in our first boat, the biggest trip we would have taken probably would have been 10 miles. So, I mean, we're way outside the comfort zone a little bit when it comes to shoving off from shore. And, you know, the probably the probably this um, the biggest trip that probably had us on edge a little bit is when we went into New York. We rounded the top of New Jersey and got into that open waterway before you get into New York Harbor and the waves kicked up big time. There's ships and, and all of a sudden we pull into New York Harbor and there's the Statue of Liberty and there's ferry boats and somebody warned us about them. They're like, they're like New York taxis on the road. They don't care how new your boat is, what it looks like. You do not mess with them. They're zipping back and forth to Liberty Island and, and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, there's a big ship over here. There's a massive freighter over here. Here comes a taxi and the waves and the winds are whipping up. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so that, that was the, that was the longest, that was the single longest day we, we had because we were trying to beat a storm that was coming in before we got when we needed to get to Rhode Island or we were going to be stuck. Wow. 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 (laughs) (laughs) What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? There was a lot of I probably the biggest one was time. And when I started my business, my girls were 13 and my sons were 15 and 17. So they were pretty much grown and working. And I didn't, you know, at that point, they don't want to hang out with dad anymore. So we we find relations, but you know, it's mostly my girls at home and then they were in high school at the time. So what I decided to do, uh, cause I was like working, I mean, I was putting in 18 hour days and stuff, but I tried to be around for dinner. And if they wanted my help with homework, not that I was able to help with math or anything like that, but I'd be around for that, but I would work into the wee hours as much as I could because I figured at that point if I can get five hours of sleep I'll, I'll be good so I needed to be asleep so I can go to the 4 a.m. shift at Target and then after I quit Target and I'm, I'm like without the 300 hours a month I, I had to quit Target because basically uh, I kept cutting my hours back I said hey instead of getting out at 10 can I get out at 9 can I get out at can I and eventually HR calls me down and says listen you're either with Target or you're with your own business what do you want to do I said that's an easy decision but it, it wasn't one where I was able financially yet with my business to to lose that income, but that made me work even harder. But what I did, I have this expression, kick all fears to the curb, stay focused and sleep a little less if you have to. That's one of the banners I have at my event. And the sleep a little less if you have to, I I, I totally get, I've, I've had a couple doctors for clients, I totally get the value of a good night's sleep. But when I'm in book writing mode, for example, I will usually get up at four or 4.30 I will literally like splash water on my face, brush my teeth, and I'll go open my computer to Word document and I'll start working. And I can go, I can work from four to six or 6.30 before the dog wakes up or when Stephanie starts stirring. So rather than try and cram some, some focused book writing time into my already busy schedule at the time, I took it out of my sleep cycle. And that's, that was a, that was big. I mean, there was a, I'm making up for a lot of lost ground, but that was a sacrifice. I, I wanted to the best of my ability, not take it out of family time. I was okay taking it out of, out of Jim's time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? Dan Kennedy is, is my uh, hands down my greatest mentor before I met him and, and was mentored by him. I, re- I, I read that one book. I, and I remember I was on, on, on vacation. I read that book. I went back to the, to the beach house we were, we were staying at and I got on Amazon and I ordered every single Dan Kennedy book I could find. It resonated so strongly with me. Read all his books. I've literally spent probably 50 or 60 grand in courses He's just an incredible entrepreneur. I I would not have this lifestyle without Dan Kennedy for sure. I love that. Last but not least, 
Why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? Because intention isn't enough. <laughs> intention is not enough. It's like everybody's got a good idea. And so let, let's let's say you're a hundred people. 98 people out of 100 will have some idea and some are better than others. But literally, uh, maybe 12 of those people are going to like their idea and feel confident enough to start their own business. But today, starting a business doesn't mean what it means, what it meant 20 years ago when maybe you had an office or staff. And the, you can start a business right now. You can even get free business cards from Vistaprint. You can work on your old computer in your dining room, which is exactly what I did. And you can have a business with very low risk, almost no investment. Hey, I'm in business. Look at my business card. I even opted for the glossy finish that says president and founder dynamic communication woo for me but for 12 months I had no revenue so did I actually have a business no you know what holds most people back is uh, let's see how I can say this politely it's having the cojones to step up and invest in the dream that you think is a reality because the only way you're ever going to find out if it really is a good dream is if you pony up the money and the time and you pull the trigger man up woman up step up get it done Boom. There you have it, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Captain Jim himself. Captain, this, this has been simply amazing. I love every bit of our episode and it's been it's been so enjoyable. I love that we were able to walk through you before the main story. We were able to talk about your inception, your foray into, into entrepreneurship. We we're able to talk about masterminding. We we're able to talk about mindset. I mean, we covered so much on the show. Listeners, you have to go back and replay the show. Jim, if the listeners want to kind of get a hold of you, they want to learn a little bit more about you, reach out to you, ask you a question or two. I know that it's very hard to reach you but <laughs> it's actually should, it's actually not I'll, I'll give you two I'll give you two okay can I give you two so my home my website I've got I don't know gazillion websites my home base is getjimpalmer.com getjimpalmer.com that's where my podcast is and blog and all this other stuff you can find books and all the things there but the if they want to learn from me and actually you could interact with me I have a free Facebook group it's called build your dream business now and the link to get you there because that's a mouthful is dream biz group dream b-i-z group.com you can connect with me there i do something called free training thursday where i do some training every once a week on a different topic that's free people can ask me questions post they can interact with me on facebook messenger assuming you're not saying you're asking me something that's going to take me an hour to answer but for the most part i'm very accessible there which is contradictory to what i said in a slight way but i also <laughs> i just turned 60 by the way and i feel i've slipped into a little bit of legacy mode i realize time is starting to really tick by and i want to i want to help as many people as i can so that would be the place to connect with me. Boom. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Again, Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Every single link that, that was mentioned in the show will be in the show notes. So definitely visit the show notes of this episode. Jim, I can't thank you enough. This has been simply spectacular. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. My great pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit to work with the Before the Millions team, here's what I want you to do next head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. That's beforethemillions.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what is your cash flow goal? How much are you looking to make every month? Number two, your personalized investing strategy. And number three, the best way to get started using cash flowing rental real estate. Remember, starting and scaling your real estate investments and business doesn't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen.
we've helped clients all over the world start and scale their investing efforts to six figures and beyond while enjoying life and making the world a better place. To find out if we can help you do the same, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. I'm Dora Lalia, and let's talk soon.